everyone and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. My name's Amelia, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Anime Feminist and I'm joined here today by Dee, Alexis and Isaac. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Dee, I'm the Managing Editor at AniFem. I also run the anime blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can find me on Twitter at Jose Next Door. Hi, I'm Alexis, I'm an independent writer and my um, I'm on Twitter at AlexiLulu. And I'm Isaac. I'm an associate features editor for Crunchyroll. I run the anime blog Mage in a Barrel, and you can find me on Twitter at iblessall. Okay, and we're talking today about Oran High School Host Club. We're in the middle of a watch along, so if you've missed previous episodes, you've got two to catch up on, and you do not want to miss that before listening to this. We are watching six or seven episodes at a time. Um, Alexis and Isaac and I have not seen Oran High School Host Club before, much to Dee's shock <laughs> and surprise before we began. Um, Dee has seen it all the way through, loves it. Several and times. is our resident, <laughs> our resident expert for the, for the season. Um, so we're coming at it for, with very fresh perspectives, very 2018 perspectives for a, what, 2006 show? 2006 show, 2002 manga. Right. <laughs> so there's a lot to discuss, more than I would have expected. And this week we looked at episodes 14 to 20. And I have to say, I liked these a lot more than the previous episodes. I know the previous one was a really mixed bag. There were some episodes that were dreadful and some episodes that were wonderful. But this time I just, I sailed through all seven. I really enjoyed them, except for one glaring exception, which I'm sure you can all guess. <laughs> I bet I know what it was. <laughs> how did you all find it? Alexis, how was this set for you? I, so one episode in here was absolutely bar none, my least favorite episode of this yeah. show. Mm-hmm. And everything else was really nice. Like starting straight off with the summer break stuff with um, Misuzu and the... Uh, the bed and breakfast, the pension, whatever mm-hmm. they translated it as. Yeah, pension. They didn't translate it. Is that just okay? So that is. I have I, that's such what I was wondering. It's I it's say. basically a B and D. Yeah. Yeah. This was during Funimation's yeah. were a little too literal uh, phase, and now they've kind of swung the other direction. But it's not like pension is an existing word in the English language or anything that means nothing connected to the actual meaning of Japanese yeah. at all. Yeah. And like, yeah, I have a lot of issues with what the dub does, or not into the dub, sorry, the, the sub does with language and the way that people that ends up translated. Like that just feels, the pension thing is weird. We're running into the trans problem again, where they're just like, explicitly referring to everyone by a really hateful slur and yeah. mm-hmm. you know it's just not good and i actually have a bunch of notes about that but overall i was really happy with most of these episodes so <laughs> we will come back to to all of those issues i think because there's a lot to get through this time in seven episodes isaac how yeah. was it for you these these seven yeah it was kind of an interesting almost like a grab bag of of, of episodes in ter- just in terms of like what they were like generally and what sort of material was put in them um, like I I feel like I felt like the previous few sets had a little more like I mean obviously we're going by very arbitrary breaking up by six 
or six episodes, seven episodes, seven episodes again, and then six at the end. But I felt like there was a little more kind of like sense of structure to the previous two sets that we've done, and these ones felt a lot more just kind of scattershot, which is not really necessarily a bad thing for a show like this, since it's a comedy and it's about gags and just having fun with the characters. But um, that difference was something that was kind of interesting to me, just in the way that it, the whole collection felt overall. Yeah, that makes sense. It felt we we got kind of individual character episodes in this seven, didn't we? With a fair number of them. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was but nice. I, yeah. Yeah, because one of the things that we said we wanted at the end of the last the last set of seven was to get more in depth in the individual characters, and I do think we had that to an extent. So let's let's talk a little bit about you know what? Let's get the elephant in the room. <laughs> out of the way first alexis do you want to go through some of your notes on the worst episodes oh man okay so here's my thing with the bed and breakfast like two-parter is Mm -hmm. they i have so many problems with the way this sub treats the character versus how the actual anime treats like not just misuzu the owner but also like ronka later and just the way they treat the Zuka club too. It's so rude and shitty and it just feels terrible. Whereas the show, like everything is like, Oh yeah, that's just them. And it's not treated awfully, but the use of such a like straight up, just hateful. This is a bad slur. This is not something that anyone is interested in reclaiming. Mm -hmm. It's not whatever. It's just, it sucks. It's so just fucked up and awful, and I hate it because it makes it taints the show for me almost. Even though I love Ronka, I love Misuzu, and like the rating the boys with the points and everything else <laughs> was honestly hilarious. It's yeah. just, yeah, it really tainted an all right episode and a very bad episode into being much worse. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And every time every time it comes up in a subtitle, I'm like, no, not again. It's just constant. Um, and I think at this point as well, like, Misuzu is not in a host club. Like, she's a trans woman, right? At this point, I think it, it's mm-hmm. clear this is not somebody who's putting on a costume. This is somebody who is living as a woman. Yeah, Therefore, like, she's they a woman. have left. <laughs> they are not using any, like, male-coded name at all. They are, right. like... They left behind their family. I went looking up some stuff later on, and apparently there's, like, some backstory there with uh, her having a daughter, and yeah. the daughter, like, is mad at her because, you know, abandon the family to go run a bed and breakfast, which is kind of fucked up, but also, like, it's an interesting touch because sh- she's not playing at it. She's not just like, oh, I just do this for work, mm-hmm. yeah, which I- is kind of how they treat Ronka as, so it's like... No, this is full-time. This is real. But Ranka's presentation was was quite surprising to me because I assumed Ranka out of costume would act like a man full-time, like would be masculine, would it would be kind of code-switching between the two. There is a lot more blurring of those boundaries than I expected, actually. No, absolutely. I think that's like a... I don't know, like, maybe there's more to it in the manga. I'm really interested to find out more about this character almost because I want to know like what the original intent was is like are they just doing this as a job because they enjoy it are they doing this because this is like the only avenue that's open to them because they're trans like 
trans and sex work, it, it kind of comes together for a lot of people who get marginalized. So, like, you know. I w- Unfortunately, we have someone here who has read the manga. I have. I and I've actually been rereading oh. the, the stuff that happens after the anime just to kind of, because I thought these questions might come up as we got towards the end of the story. <laughs> Funny that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Are you, so are you asking about Ronka or Misuzu? Uh, Ronka specifically. Uh, they don't really go more... super in depth into Ronka's backstory. The sense, the sense I get from it, is that Ronka enjoys presenting uh, uh, as as a woman fe- feminine. Uh, I'm not again. Uh, the language can be fuzzy, especially when the show clearly is kind of fuzzy on on how they're dealing with the characters too. Um, seems to enjoy it and works at the club as um, a way to express that uh, aspect of their person sort of in a in a public and professional uh, quality. It's, again, I'm hesitant to describe Ronka as trans because there is more, I think there is more switching and blurring there. Um, and again, because they do very um, consistently refer to themselves as uh, Haruhi's dad. Um, Misuzu, I would be more, I would more specifically say is, should be read as a trans woman. Um, I, Misuzu shows up more and more in the story as it goes because May, uh, Misuzu's daughter. Spoilers, I guess, if folks uh, listening to this are going to read the manga. Sorry, I'll try to keep this as vague as I can. Um, May's daughter, uh, becomes kind of a regular recurring character and, uh, she and Haruhi are friends. Um, and there's kind of a whole arc about May, about Misuzu continuing to try to reconnect with his daughter sorry with her daughter god and um may really doesn't want anything to do with her because of this feeling of like being left behind and it's the language is problematic because it does sort of frame it as like misuzu chose this lifestyle and that's you know obviously not great um but the the actual way the arc ends is uh basically may says um like if this is if if you want basically if you want to win me over then you better live this. You better live this life that you've quote unquote chose to the fullest. Um, so it it does have kind of a nice ending where May sort of accepts Misuzu's life as a trans woman running this B and B in Karuizawa, um, and the two of them sort of um, reconnect and have a much better relationship going forward. But I don't think there's ever a time when you see Misuzu not um, presenting in you know a dress with feminine presenting feminine like you do with Ron- where Ronka will kind of shift between the two. Um, so I would say Misuzu is, is very definitely intended to be read as, again, as insofar as the author Bisco Hattori understands trans people, which I would say is probably not amazingly <laughs> well, um, I would say Misuzu yeah. is intended to be read as a trans woman. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Like, this is like, that's an important thing. I, I feel like it's lost. So, yeah. Can we also talk a little bit about the Lobelia girls and their get the bad stuff out of the way lesbians. <laughs> yeah. yeah, get the bad stuff out of the way. Can we? Can we talk about they? They? Why are they here? Why are they ruining this beautiful anime? Why? Every time <laughs> it's they, so frustrating. Yeah, every time they show up, I cringe. I kind of forgot there was a second Lobelia episode, or maybe I forgot how bad it was. This stretch of episodes, there's not a ton in here that there's. I don't. For the most part, I like them, but there's not a there's not any in this stretch that I just adore, except maybe the Kyoya and Haruhi episode, which we'll talk about eventually. Um, so I don't, it's not a batch that I would go back to, to just like rewatch an episode. So some of these I've kind of forgotten about since it's been a while since I watched it all the way through. Um, I think, I think what the Lobelia girls are trying to do. And the one thing I liked about this episode is I think they are intended to be kind of a mirror of the host club. And 
in this in this particular episode, there's some really nice framing work. I should share the tweet with you guys that I uh, tweeted out yesterday when I noticed this. Um, when they show up at Haruhi's house and kidnap her, the framing and angles and shots are beat for beat identical to when the host club kidnaps Haruhi and takes her to that um, that pool that Kyoya's family owns. Um, oh, that's rather like clever. Beat for beat, oh, the same yeah. shots. And so I think there, I think there's something. Again, we'll talk about all the really bad stuff in this episode too, but the, because because there's like a couple of layers of like context and again like the predatory lesbian trope and things like that that I think really kind of fuck all that up. But there's a sense that what they're trying to do here is show you that the host club has improved and come further in terms of like their relationship with Haruhi and with each other. And so the Zuka club is kind of like the host club when Haruhi first met them. And so they kidnap her and they throw her into costumes and they, they kind of jerk her around. And in that same episode, the host club is like, we have to rescue Haruhi. And they see her on stage and they go, wait, if this is what she wants, we should respect that. And I think that's a really nice, cause again, this is 10 episodes after they kidnapped her and took her to the pool. Um, again, using the same framing. So I think that's a really nice kind of subtle way to show how they've gradually gotten better over the course of the episodes without, you know, like throwing a bunch of blazing lights on it and, you know, really, um, what's the phrase I'm blanking. Um, but anyway, um, so I think that is sort of what the Lobelia episodes are attempting to do is kind of this mirroring of the host club. There's also that, cringing joke cringeworthy joke where they worry that Haruhi's going to end up in debt and that she'll have to like pay with labor and I'm like you know that's what she's doing with you guys right yeah so I so again I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of parallels that they are attempting to make I think that it gets complicated in ways unforeseen by the creators in the in the fact that there are these um there are there are really shitty tropes that relate to real world um harmful behaviors about like predatory lesbians that comes through with, with the, with the girls that doesn't necessarily with the host club. And so that's where it gets real, real bad. Um, yeah, but I did want to at least throw weird. out that parallel. Cause I thought that was kind of neat the way they did the framing there. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no. Well, and I was thinking about parallels in terms of um, the Lobelia girls and the host club as well. And to some degree, I almost feel like there's maybe an intent that doesn't quite uh, come through an execution of like using them as sort of like a mirror for the host club because the host club club and all, how ridiculous they are sort of gets normalized over the course of the show, like how ridiculous they are just because we spend so much time with them and they become like the world or the lens through which we're seeing this show. And when you see the Lobelia girls doing a lot of the same stuff, um, you know, it's presented kind of in like, oh, like, look how like weird this is. And so it's like sort of, I feel like maybe trying to hold up a, a, a mirror to the host club and being like, don't forget these guys are like pretty wacky too. But it's so much, I feel like it's so much meaner to the Lobelia girls um, in the way that it presents them that it, do, that it doesn't really work. Yeah, I think the problem there is like what you refer to where they straight up don't get time with them so we don't get to see the same other sides of these characters mm -hmm. they're just one note yuri jokes yeah exactly and it's just that's all they are and that's all they can ever be because that you know you have two episodes with them that's it so you know it sucks yep <laughs> agreed <laughs> like, <laughs> also not a good episode <laughs> 
I am um, when they showed up again because I I don't look at like the descriptions or anything, but I did see the the episode titles before I clicked in and started watching, and I saw Lobelia, and I thought, oh, maybe they're trying to redeem them. Sometimes that happens. People are introduced, they're problematic, they get better. <sighs> nope, not at all, they, not in the slightest. They got it was worse. horrendous. <laughs> they got worse. Like trying to force a kiss on, on Haruhi in front of. Tamaki and her dad and her friends and the entire student body of like the Lobelia Academy. It was, it's trying to humiliate her, I guess. And it was like, there was some parts of that episode I really liked. I thought some of the visual comedy was so well done. When she leaps off that platform as if it's some romantic dive and then just like flattens Tamaki when she lands on him. Like I laughed out loud at that. And when they um, went to her face and we're sort of expecting to see this ethereal, beautifully made up girl and it's like way over the top and it's it's kind of stage makeup and kind of clownish. There were moments like that that I enjoyed, but they weren't kind of at Haruhi's expense. And it felt like a lot of the stuff with the Lobelia girls, it was kind of at her expense. I didn't enjoy watching her be put in that position. Like, it's not that fun when the, the host club in the early days is doing that stuff too. But as you said, Dee, they've, it does seem like they've kind of moved on. They've kind of improved from those early stages. Yeah. And most of the time when Haruhi says, no, knock it off, the host club will will back off. Um, or Tamaki will look like, oh, I didn't realize you didn't like that and like cry in a corner. Um, but the Lobelia <laughs> girls, like, they, they, don't ha- they don't get that moment where it's like, oh, sorry, we didn't realize that this was a problem. Um, which I think a large stretch of this episode is about the host club kind of becoming more aware of others and, you know, building those kind of uh, considerate bonds with other people. And so the Lobelia episode is, again, I think it's supposed to be a touchstone to show how far they've come, but the Lobelia girls don't get any kind, they just, like you guys said, they're just kind of a mean one note joke. So um, it's a really jarring note in the midst of, of a nice little stretch of ensemble cast episodes, I think, so... I will say, though, in terms of, uh, uh, Amelia, you were mentioning the visual comedy. The joke that did it best for me was Haruhi's deadpan delivery of her lines, yeah. <laughs> uh, which yes. at least in at least in the <laughs> sub is just incredible. And I laughed every single time she did it. Yeah, it was great. It was like they they had all these kind of expectations, which are completely tropey. Like they expected that she'd suddenly show up and have like amazing acting ability that she'd look really beautiful and feminine and that she'd have a lovely singing voice and it was just all subverted straight away that was a really fun part of that episode and I feel like there's more that they could have done there like how did he showing up in an all-girl environment like that's something they could have actually really enjoyed without going to these predatory lesbian stereotype tropes Mm -hmm. Like that that could have been so interesting to just get Haruhi into that environment and instead it's not fun at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's another part of this episode that kind of messed with me was not just the predatory lesbian stuff, but also just like the gigantic fandom around them <sighs> yeah. was like there are t- there are three types of women in this show. There are predatory lesbians, there are fawning like fangirl sycophants, and there are Harvey. <laughs> and, it's exactly the three categories I was thinking. Yeah, and, and we get a, a yeah. little bit. We get a little bit of Haruhi's mum, I guess, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah the, that's the, true. Yeah, the manga expands the female cast a little bit, so there's at least more different types of people. Again, May is May is a nice touch um, going forward. I just remembered but... 
Renge exists. Oh, that's true. There's four. I can't stand her. Every time she shows up <gasps> no! and it's like strong motor. Oh. I love her. I love Renge too. I'm I love so, her. Yeah. I'm so bored. I am so bored. Like the banana peel shtick is, it's coming oh, out the other side. It's like the rake sketch. Like it's coming out the other side where it's happened so often that I'm starting to find it funny again. Mm-hmm. Renge hasn't quite hit that point for me yet. But she drew so, a doujinshi of them. That was yeah. <laughs> I was surprised she showed up in that that ranger show on the the shopping center rooftop. I was like, do you need a job? That doesn't sound right. Renge has a wide variety of hobbies. We don't see her day-to-day life. We don't know what she's up to. Apparently, apparently. She can love shoujo harem stuff. She can also love sentai. Heck yeah. Just like me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Absolutely, yeah. That's like half my timeline on Twitter. Yep. Um, let's can we talk about that episode a little bit because that was Kyoya's episode. Yay. And yeah. I, I oh oh okay, D D enjoyed this oh, one. Oh please start, Amelia. I see that we have different opinions. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not different opinions, I'm sure. I um Kyoya's not my favorite. Like he's not a character type I tend to enjoy too much. Um, I mean, Tamaki's like my favorite, so, <laughs> and Kyoya really does seem opposite to him. And then Haruhi has this moment of insight where she says, oh, actually, you're really similar. Though the only similarities I could see is that they're both like super privileged and sheltered and aren't used to, to being outside in the real world. So I think she tried to act like him showing off his knowledge was a great kindness to the person who was about to get conned, but it just felt to me a little bit like Kyoya showing off, so... I don't know, that episode was enjoyable for me, but I didn't feel like I got any more of a handle on Kyoya's character or that we learned anything new about him. Whereas the episodes with the twins and with Honey Senpai, like it always feels like we get a bit further. And I didn't really get that from his episode. Anyone else? He's like, I think the thing with that episode is that he's extremely two-faced is the point of at least the very last bit. Where he's like, oh, I only do things because they benefit me. And then he's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I. it's a Sherlock episode is the thing. is, It's them like, oh, I knew all along that this woman was married to this e- extremely like wealthy guy that I would love to know. But mm-hmm. actually, just he didn't. He was just doing something nice in his own weird, like, nerd way. <laughs> yeah. So it it interest like it's a nice little character touch, but it's not a lot. It's that's basically it. Is like oh, I only do things because I want to, and then he's like oh no, I'm just doing this because I can. Yeah, I almost thought the more the thing that added more texture to his character was him being like an extremely grumpy human being <laughs> after he's yeah. woken up. Like that felt much more like <laughs> breaking down his like sort of facade of like being a cool guy than anything else in the episode. And I actually really enjoyed him being like super rude to Haruhi actually. And he was just like, I don't need to be polite to you. I have nothing to gain from this. And so he was just really honest in a way that he isn't usually. That I did enjoy, but it wasn't, I guess it wasn't surprising. I never assumed that he was that kind of polite to everyone all the time anyway, because privileged, rich, sheltered people aren't always. So. I will, I will, with... With Tamaki being your favorite, his material was limited in that episode, but his stuff with the dog was just so adorable. It was <laughs> and wonderful. he called the dog Antoinette, I which know. is a really cumbersome name in Japanese. <laughs> I just thought that was great. It's <laughs> uh, beautiful. Yeah, I did. I did enjoy that, but I didn't. I didn't feel like I got as much out of it. I mean, when you compare it to the twins episodes, and every one of the twins episodes feels really strong. 
to me anyway but anyone else think so well, they've got oh, a I... really interesting like kind of a unique emotional core like the whole i feel like just the whole like we're seen as like one entity and the tension between we want to be seen as individuals we don't want to see be seen as individuals just it makes their stuff inherently interesting because of that like there's a tension in what they want that even they don't understand and it takes you know someone as clueless as tamaki kind of like busting into that to to break it up and sort of draw them out of their their contained world a little bit yeah like i episode 20 the twins flashback episode is like incredible for me i i love the twins and then that entire episode was just a pile of twins content and i got really excited for the like from minute one and it was just oh it's so there's so many incredible looking shots like the looping um the looping shot when they're um when tamaki's like all right i'll do the game but you have to come to my host club was like it was a really good effect and then just there's just a lot of imagery and it made me think of i forgive me for this but i can't think of the um storyboard guy who did the stuff that we discussed last episode oh igarashi Uh, igarashi Igarashi, yes sorry um what episodes was he on because it was the other one i think this one was him I don't. Okay. Um, I didn't look it up. But he didn't do much in the second half. Because... I don't think. I think he only did the final episode. But I'm sure he. Yeah, was, I'm sure he was in the background hovering on a lot of the big ones. Yeah, because so. it just feels like so much of most of this show is like gag comedy and visual humor, and then this entire episode is like ninety percent just like long lingering shots and like crazy imagery like when they're sitting in the classroom and everyone's talking shit and it just starts eating scenery until they're alone in a black void mm-hmm. that was fantastic yeah that's i feel like the twins as you said isaac um i think their their emotional core is really unique which means that every one of their episodes feels fresh and it kind of doesn't feel like an archetype almost because they have nailed this conflict of we want to be told apart we don't want to be told apart we want to let people in we don't want to let people in which you know it's it's a it's a unique situation, or not unique necessarily, but within within the context of the show and the tropes it's referencing, like it is quite unique. But actually, that kind of conflict of identity is just super teenaged, and it's really relatable, even if that's not your specific issue. And so, seeing them kind of tussling with this and dealing with people kind of coming up from the outside and interpreting their identities to them, some in ways they like, some in ways they don't like, like that feels really powerful and the scenes that really got me were actually the ones where they turned girls down by tricking them into saying that they kind of didn't care which twin they were with Mm -hmm. and that felt cruel but at the same time i completely got their point they're saying if you actually liked one of us then you would only like the one of us like are we actually interchangeable but they have set themselves up that way so it's yeah it's such an interesting dynamic to watch and it's such an interesting kind of journey to map i guess to see where they end up where like just to segue into the date episode where hikaru actually or kaoru separates them and kind of we get we get to see the audience gets to see for the first time their different personalities because that's i think until that point you just see them as the twins the unit and that one kaoru really makes the effort to separate them and i loved that i i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah 
even though Hikaru was a total brat. <laughs> it was still really interesting to He's watch. He's a total brat, and then he has such a cute moment at the end. Hmm. I... I have mixed feelings about them always being like, oh, we're going to pull up this only character trait that um, she has about Thunder being bad. And we're just going to keep using this so we can get some yeah. like some hurt comfort juice off of the boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, it's sweet, but it's the same story beat again. And I'm like, eh, come on. Yeah, it's entirely fair. Entirely fair. And she... In that episode, they made her super feminine. Like they put yeah. her hair up in bunches that were way too long for how her hair actually is. I think I was, I'm sure those were I extensions. I honestly thought it was a right. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was like a wig or something. I was like, it was really hot. It must be August in Japan. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I love. Well, she got. The... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. She got shanghaied by the twins. Um, their twin maids that they also have. Mm-hmm. You should go ahead, though, Isaac. Oh, no, I was just going to say the twin maids gave her twin tails, and I thought that was extremely clever. <laughs> it's it's uh, twin tails actually what you call it in America? No. That that's, hairstyle. I'm pretty no, sure okay. that's Japanese only. That's so what you call it, it in just anime, works out. D- am- Amelia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was unaware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that episode, it, and it was nice to see... T- for us to kind of get an idea of what the twins are like and when I first saw the title of like Haruhi and Hikaru's first date I think it is and I was like first mm-hmm. date where is this going that was out of nowhere yeah. and as always Tamaki's response was really weird and it was kind of in the Labelio girls episode as well his response was really half dadly and half boyfriendly and it was just I really yeah. want that to stop being a thing I really Every... want him to kind of see I Here's the thing with the twins episode, they kind of get into some of Tamaki's stuff too, with his like illegitimate father. So he's like making a family for himself. And he doesn't rise to it at all. They're like, oh, you just, you're just interested in us because of the name. And like, why wouldn't you want to hang around with important people since your mother's even missing, right? Like, you don't have anyone. They were really harsh, which I thought was great. And Haruhi, not Haruhi, um, Tamaki just doesn't rise to it in the slightest. It doesn't, like, it clearly affects him, but he doesn't let it yeah. get to him. He doesn't let but it, it get informs, under his skin and stay there. It ended up informing so much of him always referring to himself as daddy and making Kyoya mommy. Is It's literally that he's trying to make up for the family that he never really got to have because his mom's gone and his dad's apparently a dick. Well, so. and there's that there's that big push in the newspaper club where he wants to keep the newspaper club together because he says a club is like a family. So if the club breaks up, it's like yeah. families breaking up. Um, yeah, and so yeah, I think I think that that reveal there in that episode it, it retroactively informs a lot. Which again, I know everything, so I'm watching these episodes with like <laughs> quite a bit more knowledge than you guys are. Um, but yeah, and I think kind of you know what you said with the with kind of building a family out of the host club and during one of the flashback scenes of him with Kyoya, you kind of get the sense he he sort of picked these people specifically, um, and whether whether Tamaki is secretly a genius or just has kind of like quiet <laughs> just or just has like idiot intuition, he um he kind of ends up picking people who who we see this week from both the honey episode and the twins episode are also sort of sort of isolated and a little bit um apart from the rest of the student body and maybe maybe kind of in need of that community um and so bringing them into the host club is kind of like he adopts these these kids who kind of need a place where they can be themselves and work through their 
uh, insecurities. And it's really sweet. And that's why, and again, it, it retroactively hits back to that newspaper club episode where all the rest of the host club go after this guy and are like, you will not mess with Tamaki, um, which is such a great moment. Um, and so I really like that. I like that that sense of that found family and then the little hints you get of some of the blood relatives. Uh, Tamaki's situation, we know nothing about the twins' parents. They don't seem to be home ever. Um, Kyoya's dad is putting excessive pressure on him to excel as the third son in the family, even though there's sort of this implication that he'll never be anything but, you know, like last place. Yeah. So I think there's a really, there's kind of a neat, um, what's the word? Not conflict. Give me a sec. I'll find it. Tension. There's a. There we go. I'm there. Um, <laughs> Got I'm it. Tired, you guys. Uh, there's a. There's a good tension in this. In this stretch between, um, you know, the blood family versus the found family, and and how these these kids are kind of finding, um, comfort and ties that matter. Yeah. Yeah, and and enjoyment and comfort in each other's presence in a way that they they don't necessarily seem to be getting um, at home. Yeah, which is something that I always sort of. Like, this is going to sound awful, I'm sure. But they're really privileged. Mm -hmm. And as much as I'm happy to kind of feel sympathy for the characters, there's also an element of, like, I don't know, are we presenting kind of Haruhi is so fortunate because she, you know, she may be poor. (laughs) She's not poor, but she may be only middle class, but at least she's got a family who loves her compared to the kind of poor, lonely, rich Mm. boys, because that's a bit of a trope too. I don't... And we... I don't really think so though, Sorry, because Haruhi's, Haruhi's mom is 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 past, um, and that's a big part of her life is that she spends a lot of time alone because her dad's out working. Her her mom was out working when she was alive, and now she's and now she's gone. So um, it's just her and her dad now. And so I think if anything, it kind of shows why Haruhi is sort of drawn to the host club as well as this this kind of uh, other community that she's able to make. And that's not to say like like clearly her dad loves her so much. Um, so yeah. it's not like she doesn't have a loving home life but i think that there is also that sense of isolation and loneliness for haruhi in terms of um you know not just being um very smart and studious like we saw in the wonderland episode where she kind of focuses on that um but also in being the the quote-unquote commoner in this school full of rich kids and so it kind of makes sense that tamaki would want to sort of bring her into the family and make sure that uh, she has a place as well yeah, and I do, I feel like the respective, like, isolation that a lot of the characters have isn't necessarily born out of out of their privilege, if that makes sense. Like, the twins, the, the reason they're isolated is not because they come from a rich family, but because they're identical twins and no one can tell them apart. Um, or, and I guess we haven't really gotten enough into Tamaki's episode to see that, but it, like Kyoya's is not necessarily, again, because of privilege, but it's because he has older brothers who have been really successful and he's sort of been diminished because of that. Um, so, I mean, I guess I can, I can see where you're coming from, Amelia, and saying, you know, it's kind of like the privileged rich boys who are lonely trope. So almost like that um, character that Tamaki adopts in the film episode really early on, like the lonesome prince, like there's like, they sort of fit into that, but I feel like the way the show treats um, their, like their, their emotional states and the conflicts that they have internally. Like it's, I, to me, it seems to be very intentional, intentional, intentionable intentional <laughs> about kind of drawing a, drawing a line um a clear line between like well what are their like complexes or whatever um and you know and 
a lot of, and I've actually been pondering this over the course of the or over the course of the show that the whole like privilege and the dynamic between like rich and poor or rich and like commoner um, is so, a lot of times I feel like it's more window dressing to this show than than anything else and they mine it more for comedy than anything serious. I don't I think I sort of lost the train of where I was of a point along the way, but there are some thoughts. You made you made some points in there. Yeah. yeah, I I do think I think the show does keep kind of going back to that idea of privilege a little bit though. Um again in this stretch I think it treats it a little bit more seriously. Um especially with like that newspaper club episode where you see this this club president who's also under some pressure from uh his family in terms of um having a younger brother who might, you know, become head of the household instead of him. Um, and he's wielding this privilege to basically blackmail the other members of his club um, to do what he wants. And he's trying to take Tamaki down because he's sure that everyone abuses their power the way he's doing. Um, but then you see, you know, we've seen throughout the show, Tamaki uses the host club to try to make other people happy. And then Koya in his episode uses this, you know, weird esoteric knowledge he has of of uh, pottery to um, to make sure that this this older woman doesn't get uh, cheated. So I think there is kind of a it's it's a very low like low key undercurrent, but there is kind of an undercurrent in this stretch about like when you do have that privilege, how do you wield it? Is there a, a way to wield it responsibly so that you're helping people instead of hurting them? Um, and I think that we do see uh, again in this stretch in particular, we see the host club um, more responsibly wielding that power, especially our two parents, Tamaki and Kyoya. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think the one thing we haven't looked at yet is um honey honey's episode i mean i didn't get to talk about oh. Kyoya at all you guys moved on before i could but it's fine you're welcome oh. to no, yeah, yeah. no right it's now. fine um i am i i, I know i'm operating <laughs> off more uh information than you guys are so i'm gonna try to be careful about how i talk about this um what i love about the Kyoya app <laughs> is i really like his relationship with haruhi because i think they're both very blunt kind of insightful people and so having the two of them interact for a day where they're basically just like reading each other and calling each other out on, you know, Oh, I bet you're thinking about this. Oh, I bet you're saying this. And it's like, Oh no, I wasn't. No, I totally was. Um, I like that. I like that dynamic because it's, again, it's very different from any of the other relationships that I think we see in the club. And I like that sense of respect that builds between the two of them over the course of the episode, um, where they kind of acknowledge that the other person gets them in a way that maybe other people don't as well. Um, and I like, to me, Kyoya is, you know, we talked about everybody has two characteristics. I like that Kyoya is kind of like, we're, we're getting like a triple layer with him where we have him in the host club where he's, you know, sort of the, the very cool headed, considerate, uh, member who kind of takes care of everybody. And then we have him behind closed doors where he's a lot more callous. Um, and then, then you find out that, well, okay, maybe the, that callous bit is actually kind of an act too. Um, and he actually does really kind of care about the club and, so then you, you know, his relationship with Tamaki and the way he kind of always capitulates and helps him out. Like when the, the newspaper club episode, when Tamaki just keeps giving them puppy eyes and finally even Kyoya is like, fine, we'll do the thing you want, but I know what these guys are up to. So I am going to protect you from the shadows. Um, so I think that episode gives you more insight into kind of the way he operates. And I think that we haven't really seen him interact with Haruhi outside of a few kind of side conversations. So getting them to kind of call each other out on their bullshit <laughs> and him is really fun. Her on fun. the bed. Hmm? 
him pinning her on the bed was a pretty God, okay, yeah, that was a shitty episode. Um, <laughs> that was a shitty episode that was intended to show you, oh, Kyoya will put on the face of the bad guy to um, help other people. It was just, it was done terribly because it was a bad episode. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I just, I like the the kind of fish out of water quality to it and that sense of... Again, the the different masks and and the artifice that these that these different guys put on in the way hotter he's able to kind of kind of peel those layers back and how that how the show kind of peels those layers back. Um, this won't be the end of Kyoya. Spoiler alert. So yeah. um, we'll get some more for him too. And I actually think that I mean one great side effect of podcasting like this is that very often like I'll walk away rethinking my first impressions and chances are when I watch this episode again I'll actually enjoy it much more because of what you're saying here so like I felt slightly slightly uh, nonplussed about mm-hmm. it but it wasn't I mean it was nowhere near kind of my reaction to like the Lobelia girls episode or anything like sure. that like that was it wasn't a, and there was a lot in that episode that I did like but Kyoya as a character just hasn't grabbed me yet so I'm pleased that we're gonna get more of yeah. him a little bit more focused a on lot him. of his best material is in the manga Kyoya is my favorite character by the way uh, oh really <laughs> yes. okay. uh, a lot of the re- no it's okay a lot of the reasons for that are because of things that don't make it into the anime unfortunately but we do get but oh. we do get more of him in the anime so I think I think we'll have I think by the end of the next stretch of episodes you'll maybe have a slightly better idea of why why I like him as much as I do that must be so frustrating. Oh, though. no, it's okay. <laughs> I get it. Um, I had the same, the first, it, he did not become my favorite character for like, maybe it was my second watch through and then also reading the manga. Like, he's a slow burn. <laughs> um, so it's all good. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, honey senpai, let's finish up looking at his, his episode, which was all about uh, how to be a real man. How to be a real fighting man, even if you're like four foot tall and blonde and adorable and really like cake and bunnies. But no, you can't like and cake and bunnies. Have... That's not manly. Not allowed. Not yeah. allowed. You have to eat steak. That whole... <laughs> <laughs> I felt I felt so sorry for him. He's got this big plate of steak and he's just looking tearfully over at these girls and their cakes. Like, that would but be he's me. Him holding back <laughs> so hard that they're just like thoroughly enamored with him was very yeah. cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then just um, I had a thought and I lost it. <laughs> my favorite part of that whole episode, actually, this is slightly off topic, but my favorite part of that whole episode was when Mori's like, I know exactly what's going to happen. He's going to let him win. He's doing all of this for his brother's good. And then he just like trounces him. He just ruins him. <laughs> yeah. And Mori's like, I had no idea. Who is this person? It was great. Poor Mori. <laughs> that would totally be Mori me. finally got a whole speech <laughs> and it was for nothing. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. But his actual, like the character of his brother, I don't know. It kind of, it it felt a little bit stale to me. Yeah. Like, we could kind of see where it was going. And then they had this whole, he's an alien. He eats cake in the middle of the night. And I was like, well, I thought you were going to subvert things a little bit more than that. I think Oran's just set the bar higher now. So I expect more of it. But this reminded me a lot of the episode with Shiro, almost. Like, we just had that character type on screen. Oh, Yeah. I was like, ah, uh, it's, we've kind of, we've looked at this type of character before. And I know it was a different context and it was a different character dynamic, but we've, we've kind of seen Honey in competition with someone else uh, from a host club perspective and seeing him in kind of reluctant competition with his brother, like it felt like there was more they could do there to say something more meaningful than they did. 
but I how did everyone else that, feel? But I, on the other hand, they do a really good job of presenting the like cake occultism as like something kind of weird, <laughs> like they with the did. with the candle light and like the cakes. I'm like, okay, I like sort of get where his brother's coming from. <laughs> yeah, they did do a great job of that. Like the all around aesthetic never disappoints. But the actual character himself, like I don't know, I expected a bit more from Honey's brother, I guess. Yeah. I did I remembered my thought, which was that I do appreciate that Honey is literally so dangerous, even with just cake, <laughs> yeah. instead of, oh, I have to be this ultimate manly boy so I can learn the honey zuka style as my family intended. No, I'm strong enough to like basically murder my dad and make Japan afraid of me. <laughs> even with cake and bunnies so yeah no masculinity whatever who's that <laughs> yeah i think yeah. i think oran i think oran really struggles when it's trying to talk about gender identity but i think it does a really nice job with uh like gender presentation and ideas of like what it means to be feminine versus masculine and how those ideas yeah. are kind of silly at times and i think again I, i'm really just kind of meh with chica um, Honey's uh, little brother. Um, he just kind of existed a character for me, but I do like the undercurrent in this episode about like, well, no, you can you can be a martial arts master and also be tiny and adorable and love to eat sweet things and and carry a stuffed bunny around with you. Um, like that doesn't that doesn't decrease these these masculine qualities you have. Like you can have a combination of qualities, both feminine and masculine, and that's who you are, and it's okay to be who you are. And I like that Tamaki kind of gives him a little speech about like, you know, it's important to not to be true to yourself. Um, so yeah, I just, I like, I like it when Oran kind of touches on those, those elements. And I thought it did a, it did a nice job of that here. Um, even if it did then veer into the absurd because it is Oran after all. Yeah. <laughs> and actually the moments of the absurd were probably my favorite moments. So it's honestly unusual. Yeah. I did like as a goof, I kind of enjoyed the alien thing just because <laughs> that, that many cakes, it's too many. <laughs> It's it's goofy, but hey, what isn't about this show? Especially this Honey. True. I think I just wanted more. I thought if they're having... It, it felt like a setup for something that could have been more interesting. Same with like Haruhi showing up in an all-girls school. I think there's my biggest disappointments in Oran in general, where they have a scenario that seems like it could be used for something really interesting, and they don't do... Or they either don't do enough with it, or they do too much that's kind of uninteresting to the point of offensive as with the Lobelia Girls Academy. Mm -hmm. um, and in this case, it's like, okay, so you've got his his younger brother who is more kind of conventionally masculine, who is like feeling, it doesn't seem like he's embarrassed of his brother. It just seems like he doesn't respect him. But at the same time, he's also not as good as him. And as the twins said in the episode, like, oh, it's just an inferiority complex. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's... That, that's that's all yeah. it is and that's the show does they, then they introduce the show does kind of lampshade it they're like well this is boring <laughs> this is this is very typical <laughs> um, yeah but you're all on high school high school and again it's just because it set the bar so high for me mm -hmm. now like i expect more of it and especially this late in the day and when we've already seen glimpses of what honey can do and kind of little glimpses of the backstories of the others which are all quite interesting i that was that was just a little bit lukewarm for me. Does does Honey get any more episodes? Tea? Oh, um, I don't. Not really. Aww, he has okay. a little bit more in the manga. Um, Honey and Mori are are very much more supporting characters um, than right. than the other members of the host club. Um, they're older. They have their they have their shit together a little bit more. Um, <laughs> this is true. 
I mean, I've enjoyed the honey sem- the, the the honey episodes until now very much. Mm-hmm. So this yeah, this is just. I think if they had spent maybe more time in Honey's headspace, because really that episode sort of happens around him. Yeah, and he's very mm-hmm. passive in that episode, and even just like getting a little bit more about like how he thinks about his brother or how he thinks about um, you know the situation he's in. But I think the way the end episode ends up with him like smiling at the camera and being like, "I like cake and rabbits," is sort of like sums up. It's like, well, you know what? This is this is this character and also he's a weapon of mass destruction and like that's the that's the two pieces to him which which is fine but yeah I, I agree with you Amelia I think it seemed to me I was like oh was like so when are we gonna like get into the like juicy shoujo drama of this but it just never it never never came <laughs> right exactly um okay we should probably start wrapping this up but we've got six episodes left yep. Episodes twenty one to twenty six. Mm-hmm. What does what does everyone want to see from them, Alexis? What do you what do you want out of this? I really want them to stick the landing with the um, however they end this. Like it's probably Tamaki, but you know, I really you hope mean like a shipping. Yeah, ending? like I like it's a shojo, and <laughs> even though they're playing up like not adhering to these things and like trying to subvert as much of it as they can. I still feel like there's going to be an ending that involves someone kissing somebody. So that happened in episode two though. That did, (laughs) but it doesn't matter if it's your second or third kiss, they're still going to get it. So that's what the uh, Lobelia girl said too. (laughs) Exactly. I figure like, I don't know. I really just want to see where this goes. Like I'm in, I'm still in even after the fucking Zuka club. So let's go. (laughs) <laughs> I like I've run out of ideas about this show. It's just like, all right, I'm in. Let's go. Whatever. Yeah, I understand that completely. Isaac, what do you want to say? Um, I want like a full Tamaki episode. Like I just want I want the I want I want the Tamaki content that we've been like sort of denied because we're getting it in like these little bits and pieces through other characters and I just want an episode about him and and then I want that to resolve by him and Haruhi coming to like a deep understanding of each other and then progressing to the shipping ending. <laughs> That's my dream. No, you, you couldn't see it, but I was just like mouthing yes the entire time you were saying that. That is totally what I want. Especially we now, we got a little glimpse into Tamaki's background. I mean, we know that he's half Japanese, half French. And now we know that his mother is missing. So that's actually a really solid point of connection and understanding for him and Haruhi, should Haruhi actually become aware of this, which I don't think she is yet. Like, that's that's the kind of thing they could have a proper, sincere conversation about. And Tamaki kind of does sincerity in little pockets. And as, yeah, I would love to see an episode that digs into Tamaki just a little bit more. He is still my favorite. I think they've done such a good job with his character. And even though I'd like to kind of see him drop this this dad thing, you guys are all absolutely right. And talking about how he views family as a concept and how he treats the people around him through that lens, like that's that's something that I'm actually going to keep in mind for the next six episodes. I think that's such a good point. So maybe I'll mind the the daddy stuff a little bit less. <laughs> just I find it so cringy. <laughs> maybe maybe it'll be a little bit better for these final episodes. Um, I'd actually also quite like to see the rest of the student body know about the fact that Haruhi is not a cis male student. Um, 
I'd like them to kind of accept her full gender identity and not see it as a problem because that's something that they've they've kind of gone to lengths to hide and it feels incomplete to end the series with it still being a secret and still being something that Haruhi kind of has to conceal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She should wear hairpins again and and then everybody realizes it. Oh, right. I yeah. like the, the hairpins. hairpins. <laughs> the hairpins were really cute. <laughs> <laughs> and it occurred to me, actually, in, in that episode where she gets kidnapped and her dad's like, oh, well, she's gone out with some female friends of hers. We don't actually see Haruhi's friends very much. Like we don't we don't see that she has any friends from her previous school, even though they said she's really popular. And then we we meet Araikun and he's he clearly really liked Haruhi and she seems to have been known for being kind of beautiful and intelligent. Like how would she not have had a ton of friends that she sees? And because she's presenting male in school and she doesn't seem that bothered when she's out of school, like again, she probably doesn't seem to associate with people from Oran outside school. So who does she spend just friendship time with except the host club it just think feels the, like a bit of a gap i think the answer is nobody just because she's been studying so much and like her entire dream has just been oh i'm gonna be a lawyer bye i think that's a shame yeah it know, is it, honestly it yeah it feels it feels a little bit i don't know for for, for someone like haruhi to have no friends from her middle school and to continue not seeing friends. Did this? Like it just. Sorry, no, no, no. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, I. I think this must must be something that happened as an aside in the manga, not as an aside in the anime. Um, because probably one of you would have remembered if it was in the anime. Um, there is a sort of casual reference in the manga to the fact that Haruhi does still like. Uh, no, it's in the scene with Arai when she talks about when Arai's like, "Have you kept up with anyone?" And Haruhi's like, "Yeah, I still hang out with some of my friends." And she mentions like this one. She's, oh, you're totally she she right mentions there. one girl by name, and she's like, "Yeah, the two of us chat on the phone a lot, and we get together sometimes." So it's kind of like Haruhi does have this, um, much like Renge on uh, with her Super Sentai show. We don't know everything Haruhi's up to, um, <laughs> so it's sort of this implied. It's sort of implied that. that she does. Um, she probably wasn't. I don't. I, I don't get the sense that she had like you know, a horde of hangers-on, like, you know, was the popular kid in school, but it does sound like she had some close friends who she's still in contact with, um, and they just don't, they just don't uh, come in contact with the host club necessarily, which Haruhi might have done on purpose. Haruhi definitely did on purpose. <laughs> like, why would you introduce your friend to that group How of How do you explain them? <laughs> These are my friends. Uh, long story about them. Yeah. Oh, no, man. you're absolutely right. I totally take it back. The... Um, Sorry, that just made me remember in the um, the episode with the friend who she like accidentally turned down, him asking how he knew them, and Harvey <laughs> says host club is like, oh yeah, baseball, softball, softball. yeah. <laughs> he says hostable, ah, softball. Yeah, I, that was another moment I laughed out loud. It was like, just his expression was so innocent, yeah. like, oh wow, that's really great. <laughs> Yeah, I, I suppose like the reason I completely forgot about that is so throwaway, and we just don't see Haruhi grounded outside her family, I suppose. And I would, it feels right now that like her family life is very compartmentalized from the host club, and when the host club shows up in her family life, it's really weird and it's crossing boundaries and it's just kind of uncomfortable somehow. And it would be quite nice. What what the reason I was kind of saying all this is because I quite like to see Haruhi a bit more grounded in school, mm-hmm. so we know we know 
how to hear the honest student, like how to hear is known for that, how to hear the host, how to hear is known for that, but just how to hear the person, like that's something they're still kind of hiding because they don't want to give her gender identity away. At school, yeah. And yeah, at school, at school. So it would be nice to see Haruhi allowed to kind of just be herself at school without having to be kind of protected by the host club. I so that's I might disagree with that, and we're running late. We're running okay. late on time, so this might not be a, the great time to get into a debate. I don't get the <laughs> sense that Haruhi is pretending. Um, I get the sense, like, I mean, yeah, Haruhi no. is male presenting. Like Haruhi isn't telling people, "Yeah, I'm a girl," but I get the sense that she's still just being herself. I agree with you, and I think I must have phrased it badly because that's not what I meant. Um, I, f- I guess it it just the fact that other people aren't able to see Haruhi, and that instantly puts a wall around her. And I guess the host club is, are the ones kind of complicit in keeping that wall there. And I guess Haruhi's lack of connection with people, which ties in with the independence that we've seen from mm-hmm. her. I want that to kind of not break down exactly, but soften a bit. Like we only really see her connecting with other members of the host club, and even then, it's it's I don't know. It's it's the host club is such a weird environment. I just want to see a bit more of a bridge between Haruhi and the weird host club bubble, and Haruhi the future lawyer, mm-hmm. and that that's a there's a big gap at the moment because we are in this. Well, I mean, it's a comedy anime, but at the same time, it has so much emotional heart that to end the series with her still being kind of concealed in this way feels a bit strange to me i'm so. like amelia i'm like having flashbacks to the episode where renge first appears and tamaki's like fantasy of her and haruhi like having a girly friendship out on out on uh you know like a a, a field of grass with the wind blowing oh, yeah. that's <laughs> that's what your your wish reminds me of which <laughs> but tamaki is your favorite so <laughs> tamaki is my favorite um that doesn't mean i want haruhi to be friends with renge necessarily but... oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i don't like renge it's okay Damn. it's okay brutal <laughs> <laughs> okay we're gonna have to wrap this up d um has anything surprised you about today or did it go pretty much as you would have expected I thought you guys would like the kyoya episode more but um well no to, to be to be fair i really that is an episode that i have come to like more kind of like the haruhi in wonderland one um i think it is i think it is more rewarding on a rewatch um okay. so i guess it, i guess in in it doesn't actually surprise me that much that you were uh, just just okay with that one no this again mostly went kind of the way i thought uh, the Bailey episode was bad and the others were good so yeah very accurate statement and i guess you're looking forward to us finally getting to the end so we can talk properly about the whole i'm series. very excited to talk about the the last the last stretch of episodes um there's a lot in there that i like a lot so excellent I'm very much looking forward to it. I think I speak for all of us on that one. It's been such a delight so far, even with the occasional pockets of extreme badness. It's still, like Alexa said, you know, I'm in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing has been a deal breaker yet. And that's like, despite there being some really horrendous content, and I completely understand if it's a deal breaker for other people. I really, really do. Um, it's, It's still okay for me. We're still looking forward to seeing more episodes looking forward to getting to the end and talking about it properly yeah a lot of anime like string out their really bad content like through all of their episodes and oran is nice because it like condenses them into like (laughs) 25 minute segments that you can forget about after they're done you can just you could totally skip them in a rewatch couldn't you pretty much yeah yeah there's i mean there's a few little touchstones in them but it really doesn't matter you could very easily skip the three bad episodes which i usually do so 
don't blame me at all <laughs> okay just a little housekeeping then to wrap up um if you like what you hear today you can find more of our work at www.animefeminist.com you can find us on twitter at anime feminist you can find us on facebook facebook.com slash anime femme uh we have a tumblr animefeminist.tumblr.com and of course we have a patreon where we recently broke even that's patreon.com slash anime feminist um we still are looking to raise more money i think the next big project that we've got planned is actually to increase our accessibility as a site that's going to take a little bit of coding work that's going to take a little bit of transcription work we will be asking for funding for this soon so jump ahead of that and if you can send us a dollar a month to continue our work and to do more in this area we would greatly appreciate it if you send us five dollars a month then you get access to our exclusive anime feminist discord server which is kind of like a chat room where you can discuss everything anime from a feminist perspective without having to go through the feminism 101 motions so that's patreon.com slash anime feminist all support very much appreciated thank you so much to alexis isaac and d for joining me and we'll be back next time with the final episodes, 21 to 26. Earn yourself some refreshment level points. I had to end on something. I was waiting. <laughs> plus, 10, plus 10 refreshment points. <laughs> oh, perfect. I was waiting for you to say something. Mm.